to me, the tattoos represent pain that I chose and that creates something beautiful. This is the podcast where you meet people who are not similar on the surface. They're not on magazine covers, and they all have different jobs. But like all of us, they've made big choices and ponder the big questions. Learn what makes them tick and what we all share as fellow human beings. This is Get to Know an Average Joe. Kevin Little, welcome to Get to Know an Average Joe. How do you introduce yourself to people when they meet you for the first time? Who is Kevin Little? I like to say I'm an iconic avatar (laughs) chewing his way through life with dimples and a smile. There are dimples. They're so charming. I met your dad last night and he said, I'm Kevin Little. The other one is not Kevin Little. (laughs) Tell me about being named after your dad and what that was like growing up with. Well, actually, my dad was named after me. He told an untruth. No, really. My um, my father's from West Virginia, and um, he was the youngest of seven, seven kids, and he uh, had no uh, middle name. He was just Carl Little. And so um, his friends actually gave him the middle name Ezra, Carl Ezra. Why? I have no idea. But um, when I was born, they wanted to name me Kevin. And um, my father actually changed his name to Kevin Carl Little so that I could be a junior and he could be a senior. So he led you a little. Oh my goodness. But now I know the truth. Yes. So what was that like though, growing up as, as a junior, even if he was named after you? Well, it's funny because my last name's Little, and so I was Little Junior. And, um, you know, it's always been kind of a joke, but um, I admire my dad so much. He's such a wonderful man that, um, you know, I feel really honored that we have the same name. And you are how many siblings in the family? I'm the oldest of three boys. Mm-hmm. I have a brother, Kent, and a younger brother, Kelly. This is something that we share, the alliteration. I'm the youngest of four girls whose names all begin with D. And in your family, it was a K. Do you know why that was? I have no idea, but you know my family's from the South, and my father always used to joke that um, we were his own KKK. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not funny, I know, but still. All right, I guess within the walls of the family, it was fun. It was funny in the 60s, maybe. (laughs) So we're sitting here. You are now in California, from Texas to California. Tell me about that journey. I knew at a young age I wanted to get out of Texas as soon as possible. (laughs) And you'll remember how Texas was. I remember Texas in the 80s, yes. Yeah, so um, as, as soon as I got out of grad school, I knew I wanted to move somewhere. And I had been um, following the Graham technique of modern dance and dancing with David Hochoy um, in Fort Worth. And I really, I, I was never that great at ballet. And so I, I kind of wanted to move in a modern direction. And so I had thought about moving to New York and I had been there and danced there. And then I had several friends who had moved to Seattle. And um, it was really an up and coming 
place um, in the early 90s, the late 80s. And so I uh, took a vacation to see what Seattle was like. And then I met Andrew, who is now my husband, and fell in love. And so I thought, you know, screw New York, I'm going to Seattle. And so then uh, when Andrew graduated from graduate school, he got a job in California working for the state government in Sacramento. And, you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm more portable. And so we decided to move to California, and I love it. And the weather is great, and here you are in a tank top, and so I can't help but ask about the tattoos and the meaning of the tattoos that you have. My tattoos, well, I have one that's um, sort of a kind of seahorse, sea dragon in blue and greens, and to me that um, relays wisdom and patience. I I don't know why, it's just, and I designed it myself. Uh and um, took it to a tattoo artist in Santa Barbara, a woman who is six foot two, drives a hearse, and has two Irish wolfhounds. <laughs> not a white bread kind of person not at all. Even, not even a little bit. And so my. But why arm, is this on the left arm? Because you chose to put this on your left bicep. I did. I don't know why. I you don't were know. just following some sort of gut. Yeah, and I think because it's closest to my heart. The other one, I actually designed myself as well, and it's my cat, Raji, who uh, died this year. And um, I drew him with wings that are Fiery sort wings. of sprouting into, bursting into flame. And um, to me, this represents passion. And so um, he was always kind of a wild wild cat and plus the flame just is burning and passionate so and the colors on this one are more orangey is that because of the fire or because of Raji's coloring both um he he was called uh Rufus uh Bengal cat and so (laughs) he was uh very red and gold and uh, so I chose those colors for this one why tattoos what is important enough to to mark yourself fairly permanently. I wrote a story one time that I called Tattered, and it was vignettes from my childhood, my adolescence, and when I was much younger and growing up in Texas, I was badly bullied, and I really, as an adult, I came to grips with that, and to me, the tattoos represent pain that I chose and that creates something beautiful. And so, you know, I really wanted in my life to make a concerted effort to have the pain that I had experienced in the past represent something beautiful in my life and what my life has become through my own choices. So that's a nice process. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. And what about the process from shifting careers from the dance and and moving from classical ballet to modern dance, then actually giving that up and becoming an educator? Tell me about that. Well, classical ballet was always my passion. And I I didn't start dancing until later in life. And you and I have taken class together. So you've seen I was never the best one in the class. Full disclosure, I was in my late (laughs) teens then, so... (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, you know, and, um, but, uh, you know, I was good enough to be in the, in you were employed, the you, yeah. and to tour with them. And I just loved it so much. And then, um, I started, uh, dancing the Graham technique and that really called out to me too, because it's just so dramatic and, and deep. I mean, it's, you know, way place. down in the core. Yes. And comes from a deep place. And so, um, I did that for several years and, you know, again, I just, I hit 30 and, um, I, I was sore and I was poor and, you know, I, <laughs> and poetic. Yeah. And my parents had always told me I need something to fall back on. So I had an undergrad degree in English and a master's in English. And I, when we lived in Seattle, I started, I'd never thought about teaching, but in Seattle, I started working with homeless uh, gay teenagers on Capitol Hill at the uh, Lambert House. And um, I just fell in love with working with youth. I just, I felt like if you give them some compassion and some respect and attention, they just blossom like flowers. And so I went back to school and I got uh, my master's in education and decided to start teaching. So it, did, you, did your past as a victim of bullying also come into the picture here? And were you thinking a lot about that? Dodie, it made such a huge difference. And I put up a big banner in my room that said, this is a safe space. Oh. And I developed what I call the Safe Space Workshop. And other teachers at, in my school district use it now as well. And, um, you know, it, it literally calls out ways in which a school can be unsafe for students who are different for whatever reason and um, really focuses on how everyone can participate in making it a safe space. So, yeah, I try to be very, very sensitive to that in a way that no one ever was for me when I was a child. I can't help it. Can you introduce us, please, to who is intruding on our conversation here? Who is that? That's my cat, Diva. (laughs) (laughs) And because she's not the center of attention at the moment, she's protesting. You could hear that she earned her name. Um, She's very thin, and she's very beautiful, and she thinks that she should be the center of attention at all times. How important are pets in your life? Uh, as you could tell from wandering through my house, they're so important to me. My They follow you around, my, two dogs and a cat, and they just follow you around. Yes, my two papillons, Pierre and Louis, and uh, my cat Diva and my, my cat Raji, who passed. But um, to me, they're an extension of my soul. Um, sort of my familiar spirits and we just we have such a bond I mean you've seen how they just follow me around all day so they're they're a part of me and they I don't know they're just like a little wild parts of my soul all right so diva is just gonna have to wait until we're finished chatting here so let's come back to your teaching how many years now have you been in the classroom I just finished my 18th year. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. And what do you think it's like to be a high school student now compared to a high school student when you were one? In a way, I think it's much better just because people are so much more aware of diversity. Um, My classroom looks like a rainbow. Mm. So many of my students are so racially mixed, you really can't tell 
what their ethnic background is. And, and that makes for a much more inclusive kind of school society. In, in another way, it's much more difficult for them because the, there's so many more people, there's so much more academic competition, and the bar is set so high that many of my students experience um, anxiety over their grades. They have so much more homework than I ever did. They're working at a much more advanced level. And the, the pressure to get into college, and especially in California where the colleges are so impacted, um, is really, really high. So, you know, I think... Uh, so how do you coach them through that? How, how does that change your teaching experience? Well, I teach advanced placement English, and so, you know, I get the students that are shooting for Stanford and Berkeley and Harvard and Yale, and so what I try to teach them, honestly, I've done yoga for probably 25 years, and I, I try to teach them some of the yogic principles that I've learned, like um, deep breathing and calming yourself. I try to teach them um, techniques that they can use during high-stake testing to lower their anxiety. And um, really, I just, even while I try to have a very rigorous curriculum that challenges them, I also want to remember that I'm not their only class. I'm not the only thing going on in their lives. And, you know, I, I want for them to enjoy the literature that we're studying as well as really prepare to be rigorous students. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's a lot for them to learn from you. That's, you know, it sounds like you really take a lot of their stuff into account. What are you learning from them? What kind of day do you have when you, when you come home and you go, I never imagined that I would learn that? Oh my gosh, I I learned so much from them. Um, They keep me young in my mind. They keep me up with technology. I have really, I have learned so, so much about computing and systems and apps. And if if there's something I need to do on my phone and I don't know how, I'll just call a kid over. Jeshin, come here and show me how to do this. And he'll click, 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 and it's done. But also, they um, uh, they teach me how to be respectful. How so? Um, by showing me their reactions to, like, when they react to me, it, I can see, like, in a mirror how I'm treating them and if I'm being respectful to them. And, I, you know, I see the respect that they have for me, and it, and it just teaches me and, and kind of humbles me. You know, it's my passion as well, and... Uh, many of them I get involved with in a personal way. Um, one of my students was just in the NBA draft. Wow. Uh, Marquise Chris. Uh, he was the number eight draft choice in, in the NBA. And he graduated two years ago. And he still comes back to see me. And, you know, for him, um, what I learned was the power of focus and, you know, we worked on that together in my classroom and uh, self-control and discipline because he would be all over the place on the court and he, he would get to class and, I, you know, I would try to point out to him the way you are in class is a carryover to how you're going to be 
on the court and the discipline that you show in class when we're studying can be the same discipline that you approach your game with. And so one thing my students taught me about is microaggressions and the way that our language can affect people who are not in the majority the way that I need a very different way to speak to my female students than I speak to my male students. Um, Just the little pejorative ways that our language can affect people who are not part of the hegemony. I want to ask you the same question that I asked your husband, Andrew. This weekend, uh, we're here in California celebrating your 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's very special. So describe what that is like, having one partner for 25 years and how that feels today, celebrating this very important milestone. I feel like we struggled for so long. We lived through the AIDS crisis. We watched so many of our friends get together, break up, get married, get divorced. We never had the social support for our relationship that I feel many straight people have. Mm -hmm. Um, Our our families were not always supportive of our relationship, even though they are now. And so to me, it it just, I just, I I really, I I tear up a little bit thinking about it because um, it's so significant that our love and our commitment has lasted this long and we did it ourselves you know we um we got married uh after 22 years because we were finally allowed to legally and i never thought marriage was important until i got married i always thought oh it's you know uh, something straight people do and it's a holdover from when women were a transferal of property and it doesn't have anything to do with us and then When I stood at the top of those stairs in the San Francisco City Hall in front of that judge and said those vows that went to the core of my being, I just, I realized how significant and important it was. And it made me angry because I realized that we had been living as second-class citizens without a basic right that everyone else was allowed. And so, you know, for us our 25th anniversary and bringing together the two parts of our family who had never met before. Because, you know, most straight people, they have a wedding when they're young and they bring their families together and the families all participate and we never had that. And so to, you know, to have this at our 25th wedding anniversary, it just, it's so affirming and it's so strong and it just touches me to the core of my being. So this is a, this is obviously, it's a, it's a big day and it's a ceremonious day, but what kind of day for you and every day kind of day is great? What are the ingredients that make you go to bed with a smile on your face? Uh, For me, a really great day is... When I can exercise, um, when I can have some quiet time for reading, when I can be around my pets who love me, as you hear, (laughs) they want to be in here, Um, when I can just spend some special time with Andrew and um, whether we're just knocking around the house or, um, you know, out fine dining, which I also love. Um, And then just, you know, end it cuddling on the sofa and watching TV. Well, thank you very much. 
Kevin and Diva. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doty. <laughs> That's right. You did hear that Diva got the last word. Thank you, Kevin Little, the original Kevin Little, for sharing your story. Next time on Get to Know an Average Joe, this woman has no problem with gumption. If I think it and I think that I should do it, then I'll usually just go ahead and do it. And I've always kind of been that way. Allison Hirschberg-Williams is next on Get to Know an Average Joe. Be sure to let me know at Dodiax on Twitter what you think and who you'd like to hear from on this podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, if you'll excuse me,